Chapter 4, Part 2 of How to Write Short Stories with Examples by Ring Lardner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kurt from Tucson, Arizona. Chapter 4, The Golden Honeymoon, Part 2. Hartzell and his wife lived in a house on 3rd Avenue North and had a private setting room besides their bedroom. Mrs. Hartzell couldn't quit talking about their private setting room like it was something wonderful. We played cards with them, with Mother and Hartzell partners against his wife and I. Mrs. Hartzell is a miserable card player and we certainly got the worst of it. After the game, she brought out a dish of oranges, and we had to pretend it was just what we wanted. The oranges down there is like a young man's whiskers. You enjoy them at first, but they get to be a pesky nuisance. We played cards again the next night at our place with the same partners, and I and Mrs. Hartzell was beat again. Mother and Hartzell was full of compliments for each other on what a good team they made but the both of them knowed well enough where the secret of their success laid. I guess all in all we must have played ten different evenings, and they was only one night when Mrs. Hartzell and I come out ahead, and that one night wasn't no fault of hern. When we had been down there about two weeks, we spent one evening as their guest in the Congregational Church at a social give by the Michigan Society talk was made by a man named Bidding of Detroit, Michigan, on how I was cured of storytelling. He's a big man in the Rotarians and give a witty talk. A woman named Mrs. Oxford rendered some selections which Mrs. Hartzell said was grand opera music. But whatever they was, my daughter Edie could have give her cards and spades and not made such a hullabaloo about it neither. Then there was a ventriloquist from Grand Rapids and a young woman about 45 years of age that mimicked different kinds of birds. I whispered to Mother that they all sounded like a chicken, but she nudged me to shut up. After the show, we stopped in a drugstore and I set up the refreshments, and it was pretty close to 10 o'clock before we finally turned in. Mother and I would have preferred tending the movies, but Mother said we mustn't offend Mrs. Herzl. Though I asked her, had we come to Florida to enjoy ourselves or to just not offend an old chatterbox from Michigan? I felt sorry for Hartzell one morning. The women folks both had an engagement down to the chiropodists, and I run across Hartzell in the park and he foolishly offered to play me checkers. It was him that suggested it, not me, and I guess he repented himself before we had played one game. But he was too stubborn to give up and set there while I beat him game after game, and the worst part of it was that a crowd of folks had got in the habit of watching me play, and there they all was looking on, and finally they seen what a fool Frank was making of himself, and they began to chafe him and pass remarks. Like one of them said, Whoever told you you was a checker player? And you might be good for tiddledy-winks, but not checkers. I almost felt like letting him beat me a couple games, but the crowd would have known it was a put-up job. 
Well, the women folks joined us in the park, and I wasn't going to mention our little game. But Hartzell told about it himself and admitted he wasn't no match for me. Well, said Mrs. Hartzell, checkers ain't much of a game anyway, is it? She said, it's more of a children's game, ain't it? At least I know my boys' children used to play it a good deal. Yes, ma'am, I said, it's a children's game the way your husband plays it, too. Mother wanted to smooth things over, so she said, Maybe there's other games where Frank can beat you. Yes, said Mrs. Hartzell, and I bet he could beat you pitching horseshoes. Well, I said I would give him a chance to try, only I ain't pitched a shoe in over sixteen years. Well, said Hartzell, I ain't played checkers in twenty years. You ain't never played it, I said. Anyway, says Frank, Lucy and I is your master at five hundred. Well, I could have told him why that was, but had decency enough to hold my tongue. It had got so now that he wanted to play cards every night, and when I or mother wanted to go to a movie, any one of us would have to pretend we had a headache, and then trust to goodness that they wouldn't see us sneak into the theater. I don't mind playing cards when my partner keeps their mind on the game, but you take a woman like Hartzell's wife, and how can they play cards when they have got to stop every couple of seconds and brag about their son in Grand Rapids? Well, the New York, New Jersey Society announced that they was going to give a social evening, too, and I said to Mother, I said, Well, that is one evening when we will have an excuse not to play 500. Yes, she said but we will have to ask Frank and his wife to go to the social with us, as they asked us to go to the Michigan social. Well, I said I had rather stay home than drag that chatterbox everywhere as we go. So Mother said, You are getting too cranky. Maybe she does talk a little too much, but she is good-hearted, and Frank is always good company. So I said, I suppose if he is such good company, you wished you had of married him. Mother laughed and said I sounded like I was jealous. Jealous of a cow doctor? Anyway, we had to drag them along to the social, and I will say that we give them a much better entertainment than they had given us. Judge Lane of Patterson made a fine talk on business conditions, and a Mrs. Newell of Westfield imitated birds. Only you could really tell what they was the way she done it. Two young women from Red Bank sung a choral selection and we clapped them back and they gave us home to our mountains and Mother and Mrs. Hartzell both had tears in their eyes. And Hartzell too. Well, some way or another the chairman got wind that I was there and asked me to make a talk and I wasn't even going to get up but Mother made me. So I got up and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I said, I didn't expect to be called on for a speech on an occasion like this or no other occasion as I do not set myself up as a speech maker. So we'll have to do the best I can, which I often say is the best anybody can do. Then I told them the story about Pat and the motorcycle using the brogue, and it seemed to tickle them, and I told them one or two other stories, but altogether I wasn't on my feet more than 20 or 25 minutes, and you ought to have heard the clapping and hollering when I sat down. Even Mrs. Hartzell admitted that I am quite a speech of fire, and said if I ever went to Grand Rapids, Michigan, her son would make me talk to the Rotarians. 
When it was over, Hartzell wanted we should go to their house and play cards. But his wife reminded him that it was after 9.30 p.m., rather a late hour to start a card game. But he had went crazy on the subject of cards, probably because he didn't have to play partners with his wife. Anyway, we got rid of them and went home to bed. It was the next morning when we met over to the park that Mrs. Hartzell made the remark that she wasn't getting no exercise. So I suggested that why didn't she take part in the Roke game? She said she had not played a game of Roke in 20 years. But if Mother would play, she would play. Well, at first Mother wouldn't hear of it, but finally consented more to please Mrs. Hartzell than anything else. Well, they had a game with a Mrs. Ryan from Eagle, Nebraska, and a young Mrs. Morse from Rutland, Vermont, who Mother had met down to the chiropodists. Well, Mother couldn't hit a flea, and they all laughed at her, and I couldn't help from laughing at her myself. And finally she quit and said her back was too lame to stoop over. So they got another lady and kept on playing, and soon Mrs. Hartzell was the one everybody was laughing at as she had a long shot to hit the black ball, and as she made the effort, her teeth fell out onto the court. I never seen a woman so flustered in my life, and I never heard so much laughing. Only Mrs. Hartzell didn't join in, and she was madder than a hornet and wouldn't play no more, so the game broke up. Mrs. Hartzell went home without speaking to nobody, but Hartzell stayed around, and finally he said to me, he said, well, I played you checkers the other day, and you beat me bad, and now what do you say if you and me play a game of horseshoes? I told him I hadn't pitched a shoe in 16 years. But Mother said, go ahead and play. You used to be good at it, and maybe it will come back to you. Well, to make a long story short, I gave in. I oughtn't to have never tried it, as I hadn't pitched a shoe in 16 years, and I only done it to humor Hartzell. Before we started, Mother patted me on the back and told me to do my best. So we started in, and I seen right off that I was in for it, as I hadn't pitched a shoe in 16 years and didn't have my distance. And besides, the plating had wore off the shoes so that they was points right where they stuck into my thumb, and I hadn't thrown more than two or three times when my thumb was raw, and it pretty near killed me to hang on to the shoe, let alone pitch it. Well, Hartzell throws the awkwardest shoe I ever seen pitched. And to see him pitch, you wouldn't think he would ever come nowhere near, but he is also the luckiest pitcher I ever seen. And he made some pitches where the shoe lit five and six feet short and then schoonered up and was a ringer. There's no use trying to beat that kind of luck. They was a pretty fair-sized crowd watching us and four or five other ladies besides Mother. And it seems like when Hartzell pitches, he's got to chew, and it kept the ladies on the anxious seat as he don't seem to care which way he is facing when he leaves go. You would think a man as old as him would have learnt more manners. Well, to make a long story short, I was just beginning to get my distance when I had to give up on account of my thumb, which I showed it to Hartzell, and he seen I couldn't go on, as it was raw and bleeding. Even if I could have stood it to go on myself, Mother wouldn't have allowed it after she seen my thumb. So anyway, I quit and Hartzell said the score was 19 to 6. But I don't know what it was, or don't care neither. Well, Mother and I went home and I said I hoped we was through with Hartzell's as I was sick and tired of them. 
but it seemed like she had promised we would go over to their house that evening for another game of their everlasting cards. Well, my thumb was giving me considerable pain, and I felt kind of out of sorts, and I guess maybe I forgot myself. But anyway, when we was about through playing, Hartzell made the remark that he wouldn't never lose a game of cards if he could always have Mother for a partner. So I said, Well, you had a chance fifty years ago to always have her for a partner, but you wasn't man enough to keep her. I was sorry the minute I said it, and Hartzell didn't know what to say, and for once his wife couldn't say nothing. Mother tried to smooth things over by making the remark that I must have had something stronger than tea or I wouldn't talk so silly. But Mrs. Hartzell had froze up like an iceberg and hardly said good night to us, and I bet her and Frank put in a pleasant hour after we was gone. As we was leaving, Mother said to him, Never mind Charlie's nonsense, Frank. He is just mad because you beat him all hollow pitching horseshoes and playing cards. She said that to make up for my slit, but at the same time she certainly riled me. I tried to keep a hold of myself, but as soon as we was out of the house she had to open up the subject and begun to scold me for the break I had made. Well, I wasn't in no mood to be scolded, so I said, I guess he is such a wonderful pitcher and card player that you wished you had married him. Well, she said, at least he ain't a baby to give up pitching because his thumb has got a few scratches. And how about you, I said, making a fool of yourself on the roke court and then pretending your back is lame and you can't play no more? Yes, she said, but when you hurt your thumb, I didn't laugh at you. And why did you laugh at me when I sprained my back? Who could keep from laughing, I said. Well, she said, Frank Hartzell didn't laugh. Well, I said, why didn't you marry him? Well, said Mother, I almost wished I had. And I wish so too, I said. I'll remember that, said Mother. And that's the last word she said to me for two days. We seen the Hartzells the next day in the park, and I was willing to apologize, but they just nodded to us. And a couple of days later we heard they had left for Orlando, where they have got relatives. I wish they had went there in the first place. Mother and I made it up sitting on a bench. Listen, Charlie, she said, this is our golden honeymoon, and we don't want the whole thing spoiled with a silly old quarrel. Well, I said, did you mean that about wishing you had married Hartzell? Of course not, she said. That is, if you didn't mean that you had wished I had too. So I said, I was just tired and all wrought up. I thank God you chose me instead of him, as there's no other woman in the world who I could have lived with all these years. How about Mrs. Hartzell, says Mother. Good gracious, I said. Imagine being married to a woman that plays 500 like she does and drops her teeth on the roke court. Well, said Mother, it wouldn't be no worse than being married to a man that expectorates towards ladies and is such a fool in a checker game. So I put my arm around her shoulder and she stroked my hand and I guess we got kind of spoony. They was two days left of our stay in St. Petersburg, and the next to the last day Mother introduced me to a Mrs. Kendall from Kingston, Rhode Island, who she had met at the Chiropodists. 
Mrs. Kendall made us acquainted with her husband, who was in the grocery business. They have got two sons and five grandchildren and one great-grandchild. One of their sons lives in Providence and is way up in the Elks as well as a Rotarian. We found them very congenial people, and we played cards with them the last two nights we was there. They was both experts, and I only wished we had met them sooner instead of running into the Hartzells. But the Kendalls will be there again next winter, and we will see more of them, that is, if we decide to make the trip again. We left the Sunshine City on the 11th day of February at 11 a.m., this give us a day trip through Florida, and we seen all the country we had passed through at night on the way down. We reached Jacksonville at 7 p.m. and pulled out of there at 8.10 p.m. We reached Fayetteville, North Carolina at 9 o'clock the following morning and reached Washington, D.C. at 6.30 p.m., laying over there half an hour. We reached Trenton at 11.01 p.m. and had wired ahead to my daughter and son-in-law, and they met us at the train, and we went to their house, and they put us up for the night. John would have made us stay up all night telling about our trip, but Edie said we must be tired and made us go to bed. That's my daughter. The next day we took our train for home and arrived safe and sound, having been gone just one month and a day. Here comes Mother, so I guess I'd better shut up. End of Chapter 4 Part 2. The Golden Honeymoon.